Welcome. I'm Lori Lee Benstock, and you're listening to a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. Losing a baby, either during pregnancy or after birth, I can only imagine is one of the most heartbreaking and painful experiences a parent will ever endure. Yet these experiences are more common than most of us realize. According to the National Institute of Health, about 10 to 15% of women will experience a miscarriage. About 24,000 U.S. babies are stillborn each year, and over 1,000 babies die each year in the U.S. of sudden infant death syndrome, or SIDS. My purpose of this podcast is to talk about the subjects that are too taboo to discuss or even in some small part help anyone struggling with mental health. The numbers I just mentioned are staggering, and the reason these numbers may be shocking to many are because not enough people are talking about it. But if we do shed light on this topic, maybe grieving parents will feel more comfortable talking about this topic and find some solace in another person understanding their grief. Today, I am joined by Dr. Roya Pilcher. She and her husband lost their child after seven months in the NICU. In all this grief, they created the Ava Potter Pilcher Foundation. Dr. Pilcher, thank you so much for joining me today on a Trauma Survivor Thrivers podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. You know, it's, um, I am always glad to have an opportunity to talk about this topic. You know, like you said, it's something that people don't talk about enough. Um, So thank you for having me. Thank you. First of all, I I wanted to ask you about the Ava Potter Pilcher Foundation. It's named after your beloved daughter. What was she like and why did you start the foundation? She was a firecracker. She really was. Um, She... um, she was so tough from the moment she was born. Uh, the doctors wanted to intubate her. Um, she was born at 28 weeks. Um, and uh, they typically t- intubate babies that are born um, at that time, at that early. She just wouldn't let them. She just wouldn't let them. <laughs> um, and, and I mean, that was just... She was like that from the start. And, you know, she had a smile that could light up the whole room. And those are the things that we really remember about her. What made you start the foundation? She passed after seven months. She passed after seven months. And the foundation um, was formed about two years later. And, um, you know, originally we had formed the foundation to sponsor research on prematurity, um, specifically chronic lung disease, which is um, something that a lot of premature babies have if they're born before 30 weeks. And as we spent more time at the hospital at Georgetown, talking to more families and more of the hospital staff, and just kind of also realizing um, recognizing what we were going through and how we felt sort of lost in our grief and, and lost in ways to, um, to talk about our grief, we decided to switch focus. And now the foundation really focuses on providing psychosocial support services to families that are in the NICU. 
you know, whether you get to take your baby home or you don't get to take your baby home, being in the NICU is an incredibly traumatic experience. And it's really hard as a parent to get that support that you need because you feel like you need to be in the NICU supporting your baby. And so uh, one of the things that had been very difficult for me when Ava was in the NICU was getting that support and that help that I needed because every time I'd you know, be away from her, I'd feel guilt. So the way that the program that we have established in the NICU started was to have a therapist come to Cribside and talk to parents in the hopes of being able to then get them to come in and do one-on-one -on -one therapy sessions in a more private setting so that they can really get the support that they need to, to navigate the whole NICU process. Wow. And I, I mean, I can't, I can't believe that they didn't have this, you know, before this, before your foundation. Um, um, it, it's really surprising, isn't it? And, <laughs> and I think that the reason why is that it's the NICU um, and, and I think the PICU are very different places. Other parts of the hospital, you know, there are services for the patient, for the patient's mental health, the patient's mental wellness, you know. Um, in the NICU, the patient is too young for those kinds of, of supports. And the parents are, I don't wanna say overlooked, but, but the focus is the health of the baby. Right. Recently, there have been, um, in the last couple of decades, studies that have come out to show that um, the mental wellness of the parents very significantly affect the outcomes of the babies. Really? So parents that um, are you know, seeking these support services, their babies do better. They go back to the um, hospital less often, they have um, fewer infections, fewer illnesses, um, because the parents are taking care of themselves. Right. They are able to take better care of their babies. Wow, that's actually fascinating. Is it? Is it really because, you know, also the stress that, you know, that energy that the parents are giving off, that that's a lot of stress and anxiety. And like you said, can be traumatic. And I feel like, that's energy that you're kind of giving off. And I feel like most parents would be feeling that way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Wow. You know, one of the things that um, you do in the NICU is kangaroo care, um, where you take your, your baby and you place them, you know, um, skin to skin. skin, to skin. Right. Um, they feel your heartbeat. Yeah, yeah. that's true. How did you grieve Ava? Did you, did you feel like you were able to? Um, I, it, it was impossible not to, um, but quite honestly, I think the first few months um, after she passed, we were in shock. Um, you know, for so long we had been just going to the NICU and home um, no place else. And uh, the day after, after she passed away, my mother-in-law somehow got us on a plane back to her house, um, just north of Chicago, they live on a lake. And 
I don't remember much about getting there. Um, I just remember thinking, this is the first time I've been anywhere besides these two places. Um, and I think, I think you need to go through that shock period. I think it's too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but the grieving process, I mean, it never ends, but the intense portion of it lasted many years. It really did. Um, and we went through, through different cycles with it. Um, I had a, a parent who I connected with who had also lost an infant um, at a couple months old. And, and she said to me, you know, it, it never goes away. It's just these waves that keep coming and keep coming so intensely in the beginning. And then those waves get farther apart they don't change in intensity. And I thought that was yeah. really accurate. Um, you know, 10 years later, we still, I still have these waves. My husband still has these waves. They just come less often. So I don't know that you ever stop grieving. Yeah. And, you know, what is the protocol after losing a child at the hospital? Do you, do they just treat the patient physically, you know, and then just kind of send the parents home and, you know, do they offer some sort of mental health or emotional support? Yeah. Um, So at the time that we were in the NICU, yes, they did. Um, They, they create a bereavement box with little mementos of your child. they give you some information on support services, local and national. Um, and, and then it kind of varies, I think, from family to family and situation to situation. For us, um, the, we had gotten very, very close with a lot of the NICU staff and uh, the nurses put together a book of memories where um, a lot of the nurses and the doctors wrote um, in that book, their favorite memory of Ava. Um, so it it um, that was in place when we left. And of course, there are you know therapists, and um, we were at Georgetown MedStar Georgetown University Hospital, and they do have a women's mental health program there. Um, but I wasn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so now with the program that our foundation has helped create in the NICU there, um, along with another foundation, um, the Juliet Grace Smith Foundation, we've created a program called the Two Hearts um, Mental Health and Wellness Program that's headed up um, by a wonderful woman, Dr. Shilpa Saroop. And so now there's more follow-up with the parents that have lost babies. And also, you know, with, with families that go home with a baby. Um, but it's, it's nice to know that now there's more follow-up than there was before. Yeah, that's great to hear. Yeah. I, I can see how after going through that type of grief, mm-hmm. just kind of wanting to suppress it. I mean, yes, you'll get those waves of grief, but it is a trauma. You, you, you know, you really lost a part of you and just, it, it would just, I can only imagine how hard it would be. Um, 
on someone's mental health. Um, what are your thoughts about the importance of mental health support um, after losing a child? You know, I think it's it's incredibly important, and and I think that after losing a child is is the kind of place where you're not you are experiencing a trauma more most often alongside someone who has also experienced that trauma your spouse mm -hmm. you know so um so to be able to find a way to navigate that as a couple i think adds a layer of complexity to um you know kind of seeking out some of those mental health services you know because you've got to kind of take care of yourself um you've got to also take care of your your partnership you know your marriage or you know your significant other and so so there are a lot of things that need tending to in those years after losing a child um i think that a lot of times there and and I know that for me personally, I, I do feel like there were physical effects from the stress. You know, my health was um, not as robust as it had been prior to our time in the NICU. Um, and you kind of become a different person. You, I, I, I think about my life as before Ava and after Ava, you know, and, um, and not that the after Ava is filled with um, sadness, quite the opposite, you know, I think because of her, I find joy in things that in a different way and, and in a way that maybe I wouldn't have before. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but there's always this feeling that something's missing, somebody's missing, um, you know, no matter how many years later. I think that um, it's different for everybody. You know, some people are ready to seek out, um, you know, support shortly after loss. Some people, I was one of them. Um, I wasn't ready until um, probably about three years after losing her. Um, until it got to a point where I was having panic attacks. Um, and you know, just kind of stepped back and said, okay, I can't, I can't power through this yeah. by myself anymore. You know, I need to, I need to get um, myself to a better place and get the support that I need to sort of process everything. Um, it's just, it's just so different for everybody. But I think that um, when a person is ready to take that time and make that commitment to yourself, to take care of yourself is so important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you said it, like if you aren't being taken care of, you can't take care. If you haven't taken care of yourself, it's almost impossible to take care of anyone else. Yeah. Um, you said that it took three years after for you to get the help. Did you and your husband get the help together or was he... How did, how did that work yeah. for both of you? Um, so he had actually started therapy when Ava was still in the NICU. 
Um, and he had a wonderful relationship um, with his therapist. And he continued um, seeing him for a few years um, afterwards. I, um, I had met with someone a few times and it just wasn't the right fit. I mean, anytime that you meet a therapist, it is, it's not always gonna be the first therapist that you see. Right. It's gonna be the right fit for you. Mm -hmm. I think I was so discouraged by that, that um, it was really hard for me to try again. Mm -hmm. um, but I found other ways to process it for the time being. Mm -hmm. um, you know, having a support group, having friends that can talk, you can talk to, connecting with other people that have been through that same loss, all those things were really helpful. And I think um, put me in a place where I could sort of um, push off seeing someone for so long, but then eventually you really do need, I think, to, to connect with someone who has experience in helping you process your grief. Um, and, and I found that really helpful once oh. I did find the right person. Did this therapist, did your husband's therapist specialize in, in child loss or grief? He, um, he does, does not, um, but he was just someone that my husband really connected with. That's great. Yeah. How about you was the person that you spoke with? Um, did they specialize in grief? They, they do. Um, and that, you know, I think for me, that was helpful because I had, um, I had maybe tried to skip some steps in the grief process and they really, um, asked me to go back and, and spend some time, you know, um, processing everything that had happened. And so I think for me, that was the right, the right fit, um, you know, but, but there are, there are actually a lot of ways for people to get support after the loss of a child. Um, there are national groups, there are local groups, um, there are, um, you know, kind of group, group therapy, Mm -hmm. which is something that I participated in for a little while and actually found incredibly helpful, you know, just kind of being with people that had been through the same kind of trauma was incredibly, incredibly healing for me just to not feel so alone. Right. And right. that made a big difference. Yeah. And you, you said you had panic attacks mm -hmm. um, and that was, and there, that was a point where you were like, I can't, muscle through this. I can't power through this any longer. Did you realize that it was, it was the loss mm -hmm. or did you, or was it like, you just thought it was just a bunch of stress with this? Mm -hmm. You realized it was the, yeah, I did, I did. And the, the circumstance in which it happened the first time made it kind of clear to me. The one place I felt safe was at work. Yeah. It was, that's when I got to be Dr. Pilcher. I wasn't Ava's mom. I was wow. Dr. Pilcher. Yeah. And so work was actually incredibly helpful 
in those months and the couple years afterwards. It was like my safe place where I got to just be a different person, put on a different hat and, um, and, and kind of like put that grief aside because I think it's really hard to just constantly be thinking about it, right? You can't always be thinking about that. Your brain can't do that. You can't handle that. So I had a, a parent that came in and, um, and questioned um, the treatment I was recommending for his son. And, and I just so badly wanted to say to him, you know, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know that I've had to make really hard medical choices for my child. And I would never put another child, another person, but especially another child mm -hmm. through an unnecessary medical procedure. And I, you know, I didn't say those things, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but I wanted to. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and I just explained to him and, and educated him on why, you know, his child needed his treatment done. Um, but I just, inside, I was so mad. And, and I tried to start treatment and I, I just couldn't, my hands were shaking. I couldn't breathe. Um, oh, God. and I had to stop and, um, have my assistant just say I wasn't feeling well, um, and that we needed to reschedule. Um, my doctor is in the building <laughs> that I practice in and I went straight down to her and I said, I, I think I need help you know, I, I think I need, I can't do this anymore without some help. Wow. Um, Good for you. Yeah. You recognize that immediately. Yeah, I did. So, um, so yes, when I had my first panic attack, um, I, I did know it was related to that. Yeah. That was a trigger. It was I a tr can, yeah. Oh, well, you know, your foundation, like you were saying, it offers, you know, psychosocial care um, after such a challenging, you know, traumatic event. Do you believe that hospitals all over the country should have this type of care after such an experience? I do, um, and there are there, and, and hospitals are catching on to this. Um, they really are. Um, I think CHOP. Um, University of Pennsylvania's Children's Hospital. I think most children's hospitals do a great job um, with providing um, information about bereavement um, and, and therapy for grief. I think the hard part is the timing of it. I think it's really hard to present families with it right now. Right you know, when they're leaving the hospital. That's not the right time. I mean, we got a folder. I don't know what happened to that folder. You know, mm. the information was given to us. Um, I think the key is just the timing of sharing that information um, and also recognizing that every family is different. And I think that's one of the nice things about um, the program that we are trying to create at Georgetown is that, um, you know, there are, are a couple of checkpoints down the road where a social worker or um, a therapist will check in with the families um, a little bit later on because it's too much to think about initially. Um, and I think that that can make a really big difference.
Yeah, I I do too. You know, we talked about the support after you leave a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, at that time, that was 10 years ago, you said, that time they weren't really checking up on you, right? The, the hospital... Not in the way that it's structured now. Um, and I think that uh, I think that that reaching out multiple times instead of just kind of that one final goodbye, you right. know, I think that's really, really important. I mean, everyone processes trauma at their own speed. Um, and and I think just, you know, being mindful of that yeah. is, is really makes a big difference. You know, I, I would assume trauma from a pregnancy loss or infant loss or a child really, um, like any other trauma, can have lasting effects um, until it's confronted. Um, do you, would you be able to tell me some of the long-term effects of not being, getting treatment? Yeah, um, I think that in general, anxiety is um, is a big one. It's kind of interesting, you know, I was talking with my husband about that today um, and, and talking a little bit with Dr. Sarup about that today, you know, because, because I think the way that I've processed it um, is different than other people that I know. I think kind of in general, um, just sort of heightened anxiety, this worry that, you know, that things can go wrong, that medically something, you know, might happen to your other children um, or fear of trying to have another child. Um, You know, I think those are all things that can happen when, um, you know, there's loss of of an infant um, or pregnancy loss. Um, But just in talking to my husband, I actually think sometimes it can sort of, um, it can go the other way. Um, you know, he, uh, he had kind of mentioned to me that, um, you know, he's, he's struggled a little bit with, uh, depression on and off, you know, throughout his life. And after losing Ava, those episodes were actually in some ways, uh, less intense because he can look back and say, well, I've, I've survived the worst thing maybe that a person can go through. Right. She gave me that resilience and she helped me learn that I'm stronger than I thought I was. So I think a lot of it's about perspective, right? Right. I, I miss her every day. I'm so I think about her every day whenever we have a family get together. I, I still feel that someone's missing, um, you know, but but using right now as an example with this pandemic, I mean, I know it's been so challenging for so many people, but, you know, I, I, I just think I can do this. I can get through this, you know, because um, I've done something that I didn't think I could survive. And, and maybe in a way, you know, it does, it, it helps you become more resilient. Maybe that can be a lasting effect, right? Mm-hmm. Not just anxiety or fear, but, but resilience. 
Yeah. It was a gift from Ava. Yeah. And I got it. We got it from Ava, you know? So that is a beautiful way of looking at it. You know, it's perspective. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's how it is with everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you, um, did you feel that after the, um, like, even now, I know you say you think about her every day, like, what, is there anything that you do maybe on the day of her birth? Um, we do actually, and this is kind of a, um, it's a, it's a, it's a neat story. Um, after the summer after we, we lost her, um, we ended up going, um, to Tucson, Arizona. Hold on one second. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Oh yeah, no worries. Hey, do you think you can keep them upstairs for a little longer? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, no worries. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we just got a new puppy, so. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> this is a good time to get one. It is. It really is. I was actually thinking of getting a new one. My husband's like, no. <laughs> Um, so this is actually a neat story. It's, it's, um, I don't know how much time we have, but however long, however long you have. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so after, um, after we lost her, uh, I, uh, that, that whole summer, she passed away in May, that whole summer, I, I, I felt like I couldn't feel her anymore. Like I couldn't, um, like, like I, I, I just felt like I was missing, like physically missing part of me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so my husband and I decided to take a trip to Tucson, Arizona, where he, um, went to college and, um, I don't know if you've ever been out there, but it's, it's barren, right. It's mm-hmm. the desert and, um, and even though it's barren, it's just, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It, yeah. Um, there's something, there's an energy, I think, in the desert that, um, that felt really good to me. Um, the night before we left, we were talking about how we didn't want, you know, we didn't want sadness to define who we were, right? We didn't want this, this one thing in our life to define who we were for the rest of our lives. And, and at that point, it felt so encompassing that that's all that we were, were, you know, parents, Ava's parents and Ava died, that we lost her, you know? Mm-hmm. And that we just, we didn't, we, we knew that she wouldn't want that for us, um, but we didn't know how to get to the other side of that. So we took a yoga class. Um, and the gentleman that was giving the class uh, started off the class by talking about how important it was not to let a single moment in your life define who you are. And he was going through a divorce, which is a loss in its own right. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there cross-legged with my eyes closed, listening to him and just, you know, 
almost feeling like she was kind of speaking to us through him. I know that sounds so weird, but no, not at all. And, um, and when we left, I said to Matt, I said, I need to talk to this guy. I really just want to sit down and talk to him. So I Googled his information and I emailed him and we met for coffee, him and Matt and I, and, um, and he told us that his brother had committed suicide at the age of 17. And, mm. um, and I just found that connection to be interesting. And then he told us about this event um, that happens in Tucson every year on the Day of the Dead. Um, Tucson's kind of this, this interesting intersection of like Mexican culture, American Indian culture, and like Wild West culture. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so um, he told us about this event that had been going on for many years at that point called the All Souls Procession. And it's the, it's the first Sunday of the month of November, which happened to, um, happens to fall right around her birthday. Her birthday is November 5th. So uh, we decided to go and, um, and it was incredible. You know, I think, I think when you have faith, when you have, um, you know, a religious community to fall back on, I think that really does help with grief. Um, I think for people who haven't found that faith, um, the grieving process can actually be a little harder or just different. I don't want to say harder, just different. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to look a little more to find some support, I think. Um, so when, so we never really had um, like a service. Um, we had a small memorial, but, but, you know, sometimes I think a service sort of helps you um, it, it's a nice step in, in the grieving process, maybe mm-hmm. a helpful step in the grieving process. So we went to the all souls procession and there were thousands of people there, all there to remember somebody that they had lost. And, um, it's a two mile walk. Um, and during the walk, um, there is a paper mache urn that um, goes through the procession um, and people can write notes to their loved ones. And then at the end of the procession, they, um, they light the paper mache urn and the ashes go up into the sky. And um, family members gave us notes to put in the urn to Ava. And it was just, it was so nice just to be surrounded by people who had lost somebody and they were there to remember that loss. Um, and again, I think just finding that connection with other people. Um, I mean, we all lose people. Um, and I think just to be surrounded by people who were, who were celebrating the lives of the people that they lost mm-hmm. and remembering them and writing notes to them. It was, um, it was pretty amazing. Um, and it was a huge, a huge step in just not feeling so alone for us. Wow. So um, we've gone um, in years past. We didn't go this past year. No. Um, yeah. Well, we're that we can go again uh, this year, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other really nice thing about it is that um, we get to bring our kids with us. 
Um, we have eight-year-olds, about to be nine-year-old twins, and um, and they really like that that ceremony, that community, that you know, um, that chance to sort of participate mm-hmm. in a way to remember um, a sister they never met but they still love. That's that's beautiful. Yeah, I was in. I actually went into treatment in Tucson. Oh, you did. I did. And it was so peaceful and calming and just I that energy, like you were saying that environment, it was just, it was on like 160 acres of desert and, and at the foothills of the Catalina mountains. So it was just gorgeous there. And I, I always felt at peace when I was walking, like going on a hike. Um, Yeah. So I, I, I can, I, completely understand that and there there was one thing that we did which was called it was a burning ceremony and we wrote the things that we wanted to kind of leave there and what we wanted to let out into the universe and that was so just cathartic it was just like wow you know feeling so I can imagine you know being able to put in these notes from your family members and you and your husband um, I think that's a really beautiful thing to do um, to remember her on her birthday. Yeah, I know. We're we're, we're so grateful that that this event is occurs around her birthday. It's such a nice way to celebrate her birthday. Yeah. Um, so this is something that I talked about in my intro. But why do you think? people are not talking about, you know, pregnancy or infant loss mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. Um, you know, I, uh, I, think, I think just because it makes people feel uncomfortable, you know, and it's hard to have those conversations. I think that, um, I think that a lot of times people just don't know what to say. And and I think just out of fear of saying the wrong thing is probably why mm-hmm. um, it's something that's not talked about as much as it should be. Um, and and I think that, and I think too, that there's an assumption that talking to somebody about, you know, their child that they lost um, will make that person feel uncomfortable. But in reality, I think for most people who have lost a child, it doesn't. Talking about them is a way to honor them and remember them. And, you know, I, um, you know, more so when we first lost her, but, you know, even now, like, I, I don't always want to to be sad when I talk about her. You know, sometimes I want to tell a, a funny story about her or something nice about her. And I remember, you know, the first couple of years after when I would when I would do that and and talk about her, you know, maybe without the sadness that's expected, people were always so surprised. Um, I think they just don't know how to how to react and how that person will react. But but really, I think that parents that have lost a child, some of them don't want to talk, especially if it's very recent. I think a lot of them really do want to talk about their, their son or daughter. Um, mm-hmm. And not always in a sad way either. 
What do you suggest? I mean, what, if, you know, if, as someone who has lost someone, what is it that you probably wanted someone to say to you? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that probably the, the best thing that anyone said to us um, was, I don't know what to say to you. Um, it really was. I mean, it was, um, it was just, uh, it was just so honest, you know. Um, but I want to say something, you know, I don't know what to say to you, but I want to say something. Um, I mean, I, I, uh, I think the worst thing that you can do is not say anything. I think that's probably the the worst thing someone can do. Um, and everyone's going to be different, but, uh, you know, my husband, uh, one of his coworkers, who didn't know what to say to him, uh, you know, said to him, you know, when my cat died, I was really sad. And, and at first he was a little confused by that, but then, you know, and then you kind of look at it and, and, and I think if you look at those comments with an open heart, right. um, you can say, you know, this person is trying. And, <laughs> and this is, you know, this is a yes. great person has experienced and mm-hmm. and they want to try to connect to me in the way that they know how you know and 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 I'm so glad that this person maybe hasn't experienced loss in the way that I have right, right. I, you don't want that you don't wish that on anybody right um but I'm also grateful that maybe maybe she really is just trying and that's the best way right but then some people might look at that and say oh that was not the right thing to say um, I think that, I think that maybe just saying, what do you need? What do you need? Mm-hmm. Probably the best thing a person can say. Yeah. Well, I think when you said, when you said that a person who said to you, I don't know what to say, I feel like that gives you an opening to say, you don't have to say anything or you know, I just want to talk about her or, you know, that kind of allows, you know, the grieving parent to kind of direct it and help kind of guide where the conversation should go. Yeah. Yeah. Because it really is going to be different for each person, depending on where they're at with their grief. Yeah, I agree. Um, is there anything that you would like to add? Um, I think that for, for specifically losing a, a child, um, I think one thing that I found to be, that I saw happen with other couples um, and I think is is something that is is really kind of worth we kind of touched on it but kind of worth mentioning again is you know everyone's going to go through that grieving process differently everyone is going to process that trauma differently including your spouse your significant other you know and I think that um, giving them grace in that grieving process and giving yourself grace in that grieving process is probably the best thing that you can do for yourself and um, 
and for you know you as a couple it's um it's so individual it really is yeah um, and just and just saying that's okay is really important wow well thank you i this was such a valuable conversation that you know i think it is helpful for anyone who has lost a child or anyone who knows somebody that has. Um, so thank you so much for, for coming on and talking about this. Well, thank you for inviting me. You know, like I said, it um, provides me an opportunity to honor Ava every time I get to talk about her. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. And I hope that our story, that her story can help um, other families. And, and there is, there is a way through. There really is. Um, you just have to find it and you have to ask for help when you feel ready for help. Yes, definitely. It, I know that that can be hard is asking for help. Yeah. That's extremely important. Yeah. So thank you for having me on. Thank you. That was Dr. Roya Pilcher, trauma survivor, thriver, and founder of the Ava Potter Pilcher Foundation. For more information on Dr. Pilcher, including her organization, please visit atstpodcast.com. That's the letter A, tstpodcast.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to my monthly magazine, Authentic Insider, for more in-depth, inspirational stories in everything mental health. You can also find this podcast in video format on YouTube and IGTV. Thanks for being a part of the conversation. Conversation. I'm Lori Lee Binstock. Take care.